Hello and welcome back to Rally Caps On. I know it's been a couple days, but we are thankful to have you here. Today's schedule, uh, we're going to talk about a couple NBA games. We finally have a trade in the MLB. The Mets are making moves. So are the Yankees, but um, what are they doing? Uh, anyways, we'll get into that. We're going to talk about our top three teams in the NBA right now, our way too early uh, lookout for the conference championship teams. And then we've got an interview with our good friend and uh, current uh, blogger for Pitt Baseball, Nick Parnell. And we talk a little college football playoff very briefly, and then we get into wild card weekend, what we're all waiting for. All right. Let's get it started with the NBA right now. We've got the East. Let's start in the East. Some of these teams are looking pretty good as advertised. Um, You see the Magic playing well, the Pacers playing well, Celtics looking pretty good, and the Sixers are in first place right now at 7-2. and I think we were both kind of uh, shocked to see that, but as of right now, they are uh, projected as the number one seed. Um, Let's go with your top three first teams. I didn't say that right. Your top three teams first, Jaime. What so do you like? I think my like? at this point in the season, my top three in the East, I'm going to go Milwaukee, Boston, and then Brooklyn. Um, obviously, like this this early, you're seeing a lot of variance at the at the top of the East standings. I think we'll get into it, but um, to me, I think you're seeing a lot of uh, there's there's a lot of pretenders at the top right now. Yes, uh, for in, sure. In, Indiana's the one team that has. Sixers, I'm still not a believer. The Magic, definitely not a believer. They just lost Fultz to the ACL injury. That's going to hurt. Um, to me, the Pacers are the team in the East that I was not high on. I think you like them more than me, and I've, I've liked them a lot uh, based on what they've done so far. Sabonis, DeMontis Sabonis is, has made a huge step forward for them, and I think as for Oladipo sure. continues to get healthier, uh, they're, they're the one team at the top that I think has a chance to to stick there. Nice. Yeah, you see the Knicks, uh, Knicks slowing down a little bit too. They're uh, they're five and three, right? Small sample size for sure. Yeah, they're great. They're great for my fantasy team. Julius Randle, please continue firing anytime you touch the ball. RJ Barrett, I love that you'll shoot even if you miss every single time. You guys are carrying my fantasy team, but um, yeah, I'll, I uh, there's no way they make the playoffs even. I don't think. Yeah, I thought you were wilder when you drafted the Knicks, but you you saw that one coming. That's a good move on the on your part there. I I happened to just draft all the guys that got injured, so I I did great. Your team's um, been decimated by injuries for sure. Yeah, all my big men are toasted right now. But let's let's move it on. I mean, I've got the same top three teams in the East. It's it's the Celtics number one, the Nets number two, and the Bucks in number three for me. So we got them mixed up a little bit, but. I'm hoping one of these teams is going to make some kind of move for another another big piece, but as of right now, I I do like I still like the Nets. They're I'm going to keep riding with the Nets. We we're getting a little bit of uh, Kyrie and his thought process here in a little bit. Um, just a little teaser. I respect now he's finally shown us some artsiness. You know, just sitting out because he doesn't feel like playing. So, gotta love that from him. Let's go into the West right now. I have the Lakers, obviously. That's pretty clear. The Clippers, they're, they're, I mean, that's kind of your obvious. Everyone's one and two. And then number three, I'm going to stay with the Mavs. 
And I also wanted to throw in, I do love Golden State. I want to ask you, can Curry do it all himself? Is is he bringing back like the 2015 to 2017 Curry where he's just unguardable and just smacking it from anywhere on the court? Or are they going to be moving back down here in a little bit with, with that terrible defense they have? Uh, I think they're going to be moving back down. Uh, I think he can carry that team on certain nights, but I think it's going to be, especially in the West, where a lot of these teams are struggling right now, but I expect them to play better moving forward. You've got the Blazers at 10, um, Nuggets at 7, even the Grizzlies there at 8. All, all those teams are going to play better, I think, as the as the season goes on. So, For sure. Yeah, it, it is awesome to get to watch Curry try to just take over like he has been, though. It's 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 truly incredible watching him just shoot from from anywhere. Uh, I mean, you see those nights from Dame, too, every once in a while, but there's just something about Curry. It's like it looks like it's just magic when he's when he's playing like that. Yeah, it's it's uh, he he's one of my he might be my favorite athlete to watch just just in general, honestly. Uh, yeah. So, no, it's it's good to see him healthy and, and playing. For me in the West, uh, I mean, the Lakers are the clear-cut number one, and then to me it's the Clippers number two. Uh, number three, I think, is a toss-up. I really I really want to go Nuggets there, but uh, and I think they will end up there, but we'll see moving forward. I'm also a little curious about the Jazz. I think the Pelicans are are going to slide, slide down much further uh, than where they're at currently. And then you've got a bunch of other teams that are, that I think are interesting. Uh, we'll see what they can do. I, I, even though my, my brain keeps telling me no on the Blazers, my heart keeps telling me yes. So I'm still got to love that offense, but yeah, they, they have a hard time stopping the other team from putting the ball in the hoop. Yeah. Most could be problematic later down the road, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think – so I went top three. I mean, in terms of my most interesting teams in the West, or teams I want to watch the most, not necessarily the best, I got Lakers, Nuggets, Suns right now. I think for the Mavericks, I don't, I don't want to be a uh, a broken record here, but they, they to me it's just healthy Porzingis. Do they have healthy Porzingis? If they have healthy Porzingis, I think they're a problem in the world. But – I mean, if we're being realistic, the odds of getting healthy and staying healthy, I mean. Yep, he's supposed to be back next week, but I don't know. Yeah, we'll see here. It's it's he hasn't he has yet to step foot on the court so far. So it's it's tough to tell what they're going to be like when he comes back, even even if he is healthy. So I, I've just got them in my top three just because I think they're probably my favorite team to watch, even though. I am technically a Suns fan, and they have been playing incredible. Uh, they're right up there with the top three teams, and they haven't had a 30-point score yet. So they're playing great team basketball. It's it's fun to watch them actually uh, just get out of the cellar. You know, it's been it feels like forever yeah. since they've had a really good team since the Nash days, really. I mean, even they, they had one team that uh, I think it was Hornacek, his rookie year coaching. Yep where they were pretty good. They won like 46 games. Don't quote me. Yeah, they they way overachieved that year. They played really good and, yeah, didn't even make the playoffs that year. That was the year the West was just stacked with like nine or ten really, really good teams. But, yeah, uh, yeah, the Suns are looking great. Their role players have really uh, 
for those of you guys that haven't watched Phoenix, there's a lot of names that um, you may or may not know, but uh, you know, Cam Johnson, Cameron Payne, Mikhail Bridges, a lot of these guys are playing, are playing really well. I mean, really Booker is not playing at the level that we've, that he's capable of playing. Um, Aiden looks uh, good defensively lost at times offensively, but yeah, he's, Again, still a little, he's still a little timid. Like they don't necessarily need Aiton to be a number two. He's he, you know, so with uh Aiton playing more as a as a role player versus a number two, like I said, um that's it that's a good role for him. I think I think you just have to you have to set aside the we'll we'll see what his upside can be, but um, if you're at niche lobs and, uh, you know, potentially get some offensive board, that, that's, a, that's a good role for him, I think. All right, let's sum up the NBA right now with our favorite topic of discussion. As, as I hope you, all you listeners know, we've got, a little, uh, we've got a little grudge with Kyrie here. And I'm actually happy at that he is finally leaning into the artistry that is Kyrie and sitting out because he does not feel like it. Jaime, I'm sure you have a different opinion. Hit us. Yeah, Kyrie Irving, man. Uh, <laughs> you know, actually, I I told T. Willie that I didn't want to do the podcast tonight. Um, you know, it being Friday and all, and he he asked me why, and I you said, tried well, to opt you know, out. I don't, I don't feel like it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, at work today, I actually tried to take the afternoon off too um, because I didn't feel like it. Uh, I, How'd that I got go? some. Yeah, well, I got pushback. It was really weird. I tried to explain. I tried to explain to my boss, you know, that I'm an artist and I, I do it for the love and the appreciation. But he kept giving me a lot of just a little bullshit about you know other people and schedules and people are counting on you and you need to be reliable and set an example. And I, I you know, I just told him I don't really feel like it. So Kyrie Irving, um, you know, he's he's a role model. He's an artist. And he's really good at dribbling the ball, and he's mercurial. Yeah, I, I mean, what? Like at this point, if you're still defending Kyrie Irving, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I really don't know what to tell you. Yeah, let's not get it wrong. He's one of the greatest like ball handlers that we've seen. But as far as being a dude in the NBA who is supposed to be a team leader, I mean, I, I have no idea how how the Nets like can even can even think about making this guy the guy with the ball coming down when you need a, a big play or in a big game where you need him to guard somebody. He just might not feel like it that day. So where they go with that, I don't know. I, I think Kyrie is probably going to have this issue wherever he's at. It's not just a Brooklyn thing. It's not just a Boston thing. It's not just a Cleveland thing. It's a Kyrie thing. And hopefully someday he, he can mature out of whatever – what do you even call this phase for if you're Kyrie? Like, come on, dude. Like, you're a grown-ass man. You, you got to figure out how to stay on the court and want to be on the court. Legend in his own mind. Yeah. And I, I think Charles really, Charles Barkley really summed it up perfectly. Like, stop acting like you're smarter than everyone else and that you are somehow this all-knowing kind of guy and you're, you're misunderstood because you're just smarter than us. Like, dude. You know what for Kyrie too that people aren't talking about. So he's really leaning into this thing about basketball being a passion, and he does it as his art form. Um, but you know what? I care about winning. 
And these those guys there, they should care about winning. Do you think Michael Jordan would talk about playing oh. as a passion? No, he wants to talk about freaking beating you and winning. And and to me, that's where when I hear stuff like that, not not that Kyrie's not a winner. He's won with LeBron. You know, he played well, whatever. But that's just to me, that's the total wrong. Uh, that's a total wrong attitude. And especially when you get into playoff basketball and you're going to be required to play some ugly games and win ugly, it's almost like he's valuing the aesthetics of it over um, ultimately the outcome. And I just, I mean, I can't picture LeBron saying that I can't picture Michael saying this and, and the thing with the nets and I'm again, I'm going to go on record and I'm going to call this right now. The nets are in the honeymoon phase. Okay. They're three weeks into the season. Everything's fresh. You have Kyrie, you have Kevin Durant, Ask me in April when Kyrie's missing games because he, quote, feels like it, if Kevin Durant's still going to be real happy about answering questions. Because if you're Kevin Durant and you're arguably the best player on planet Earth and you have to go to your job and answer questions about Kyrie, I mean, that's going to get old. It's not right now. It's like when you move in with someone for the first time. Yeah, right? the first time the roommate just like yep. will not take the trash out and you're yep. like, bro you know, this is your only responsibility in the kitchen here. And, and it's, it's, it's about cool. Time. It's cool for a month. Maybe might even be cool for two months, right? It's your boy, like whatever they, they do lots of stuff, but guess what? Month five, when that dude has not taken the trash out a single time, you are pissed as hell. And that is yep. coming. That is coming in Brooklyn. I, 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 I promise you that that day will come. Which which chore is the worst when you have a roommate and like you start de- designating your chores with each other? Which one which one is your last pick? Last pick. First pick, I should say. What's your what's your first one you're taking and then the, the one you want to do least? Oh, I'll probably go vacuuming. If I can do some vacuuming, that's yeah, uh, get the lines going. Yep, yeah. Yep. Yep. That's that's probably first pick. How about you? That's a true artist pick, by the way. Good one. Oh, there you uh, go. Yeah. <laughs> Mine, hmm, I hate doing dishes. I pretty much do the dishes as soon as I like eat the meal. So I just literally wipe it, put it right back in the cabinet like it never happened. Um, I guess worst one. Yeah, I'm going dishes. I'm going dishes. And then first pick, like the one I'd be like, hey, I got this would be um, like stock in the fridge make it making sure we don't have just shit piling up in there throwing all yeah. that out because i cannot stand the uh the the gnarly uh leftovers in the fridge for too long that can get uh that can get rough what about the uh that's just a necessity what, pick right what about there. the roommate that if you share like college if you share a bathroom they just never once never once buy like toilet paper or or, or just don't put the toilet paper back on the roll on the yeah. little thing and just set it on top of it. And you're like, dude, yeah. you're already just sitting here shitting. Like just do it while you're, <laughs> while you're sitting here. Now, are you, how are you with the roll of toilet paper? Does it need to go? Does it have to spin a, a certain direction for you? No, you I have no preference. Way? Just okay. put it on the roll. Yeah. All right. Um, let's um, get um, into yeah. this interview with Mr. Nicholas Parnell. We're going to talk a little college football playoff here, and we're going to see who he likes this weekend. Hello and welcome to the Rally Caps On podcast. This is our second career interview. We've got a great friend of ours, Nick Parnell here. A little background on Nick. He worked in uh, both college and professional baseball for the Dodgers and the Rays. Uh, before I keep going, are you the are you the common thread between uh, both of those teams making the World Series last year? 
Yeah, I mean, it's pretty clear that my effect is longstanding, that they both are experiencing success now four and five years after uh, I worked for them. So, yeah, plenty of residual effects I'm, I'm, I'm clearly having on both on both organizations. <laughs> Beautiful. All right, yeah, so Nick played baseball at University of Pittsburgh, little lefty sidearm action, uh, was a great friend of mine when we were in college together, and – now he covers the Pitt baseball team for the Cardiac Hill, Pitt's number one blog. All right, Nick, who are you rooting for in the World Series? Before we get into college football, I should say, who are you rooting for in the World Series, and why was it the Tampa Bay Rays? Great question. Um, I will say I was not rooting for anyone in the World Series, but oh, I, was, I was far more in when the Rays won the ALCS than I was when the Dodgers won the NLCS just because I've seen it you know you've seen it many times before in years past when the Rays won the ALCS I was uh I was a little emotional very really really happy they've got such an awesome awesome group of people that work over there um so I cannot say that I was cheering for one over the other in the in the big thing but um at least in the in the championship series I, I was all 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 Tampa Bay that's a, I'm glad that you went with a, a very PC answer there because, as you probably know, Andrew Friedman is a avid listener to the Rally Caps on podcast. So that's that's uh, that's a smart move. That's a, that's a veteran move, not stepping on any toes there. I heard that. Um, yeah, he, he's actually called in a few times and let us know that you pretty much taught him everything he knows. So, you know, listeners, you guys are you guys are going to get an insight into sports like no other today. Yeah, you know, funny quick story. The only time I ever got to meet Andrew was I was working in Oklahoma First name, nice. for the Power Dodgers. Move. Yeah, yeah, for yeah for Andy, my Andrew. buddy, and yeah. and um and he uh, he got it. I had to bring him his tickets to get in the gate, and um and some guy walked into him, and and Freeman, he's a little shorter. And the guy kind of walked into him and Andrew kind of like buffed his, buffed his shoulders at him and kind of yes. said, Hey man, like you need to get out of my way. This, this is my house. Let's go. <laughs> so Let's go. To, uh, put his money where his mouth is. That's awesome. <laughs> That's fantastic. All right. Now that we got that out of the way, let's talk a little college football playoff. We know this isn't necessarily, um, your area of expertise, but we were uh, intrigued by what you had to say the other day when you, when we were talking a little bit about our models and our propositions for it. What do you think the college football playoff is right now? And uh, what, what would be your evaluation of it at this, at this moment? Um, I think it's a total waste of time if we're being honest. Um, so far we've had seven college football playoffs. That's 14 semifinal games. 11 of them have been double digit victories. Um, I, I don't really, those, in my opinion, so, I mean, we probably had maybe a handful that have been um, entertaining in the fourth quarter. Um, I think if, you know, if the purpose is, is entertainment and a product on the field that people want to see, then I don't really think it's living up to the billing um, that other playoff systems are. I mean, when you, especially when you look at um, March Madness um, in college basketball worlds, um, baseball, I mean, Omaha, the College World Series is getting more and more popular every year. I, I think college football is is um, is going the wrong direction. Wow. Go ahead. Well, let me just start by pushing back, as I'm going to do a lot. So, I guess my my question for to you with that would be: Do you think that's a reflection of the format of the playoff, or more just this the dominance that you have of, let's say, Alabama and Clemson primarily? Because to me, I feel like so. Go no, go ahead. 
No, well, I th- I think it's um I think unfortunately you know for a lot of this stuff the the horse is out of the barn in the sense that you know the way that college football has has gone about for, for decades as far as you know I mean you know you look back in the you know the early the early 1900s to the mid 1900s where there wasn't even a national championship game and then you know through the early 2000s um, just having you know a BCS title um, the the system was never built to have a, you know, a large group of competitive football teams um, because, you know, mainly because, you know, we only had two teams on, on display in a game that mattered at, at the end of the season. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I think that now it, it is that way, like you said, because we have, you know, kind of utter dominance over the last half decade with Alabama, Clemson and Ohio state. Um, but, but I think that that has happened because of the system in place um, and, and is going to continue the parody is going to continue to grow. All right. So here's the, here's the big question here. What would you propose and how, how would, how would we, let's say flip the script and turn this back around and, and write the ship here? Yeah, I think Ty, you mentioned um, on last week's pod about, uh, you know, a six team um, playoff. I believe Thanks that was you. Not I, yeah, of course. I mean, Shout me out. and Andrew Freeman, top two listeners. So let's go. Um, <laughs> where the downloads are coming from is Freeman's. <laughs> directly yeah <laughs> yeah i think you can probably afford a, a, a nicer phone and, and wi-fi settings than i can at this point so you're getting you're getting no. quicker downloads from him <laughs> but um but I, you know i think a 16 playoff would be great however i think the issue that you know we're going to run into with that and i totally understand why this would happen would be that you know the conferences like the pac-12 and uh, the big 12 especially those two are going to want guaranteed spots and that's going to leave one wild card that i think if you you know if you really want it to be either a group of five or, or independent is going to be notre dame 90 percent of the time um and, and so i think you're going to just kind of end up with a really similar um vibe to what we have now is the same cast of characters every year um, I think if you if you really did a true 16 playoff just based off rankings that 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 has a real chance to to be a little bit more successful. But I mean, the amount of money that these conferences make by getting their teams into the college football playoff um, is, is massive. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, but- it's not an un- it's obvious that the ACC, you know, back in Charlotte a couple of weeks ago was very clearly cheering for Clemson. Because they now they have half the college football playoff this year. I mean, that is just such a massive stimulus um, to their conference on a year-to-year basis. But do you think if they do, if we do a six-team playoff, and it's not, there's no guaranteed for conference championships or certain conferences. Do you think that change? Because to me, I look at that and I just think, okay, the SEC is going to have two teams in probably every year. Alabama is definitely going to be in, even if they lose in the regular season. And like, do you think that's going to? Because I would I would push back on the fact that I don't know that that would end up with a different result, really. Well, I, yeah, and I don't think that the goal is necessarily to end up with a different result. I think that you know if you if you really look like I mean football is is a different animal. I think as we all know, compared to the other big big three, and, and you know hockey is clearly not my expertise. Um, but but in comparison to basketball and baseball, in the sense that you're not playing series um, when when you when it comes time to the playoffs, and, sure. and you know when you when you look at the NFL, I mean you almost have half the league um, in in the playoffs, and uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would have to guess that one or two seeds from each side make the Super Bowl on a very regular basis. So I but, think that you're always going to end think, up with the better team. Don't you think though that the level of 
talent, the dispersion of talent in the NFL is so between uh, the Packers and the Jaguars, they are much, much closer together than even Alabama and say the worst team of the Pac-12, much less the worst team in the in the Sun Belt. Right. Because that's. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But I don't think that we're ever going to end up you know, really comparing those teams. I mean, when you look at this year, um, you had Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame. And then, you know, when you look at that five, six game, um, you're going to have you know some pretty intriguing matchups as far as, you know, whether, um, you know, Oklahoma then slides into six and, and is probably the hottest team in the country. I mean, you know, versus an Ohio State team that, that truthfully, I mean, obviously we have more answers now, but had a ton of question marks going in. So, I mean, I think you give these teams an opportunity to to really gain some momentum and, and then go into a game against an Alabama or a Clemson. Um, you know, feeling a little bit better and, and, and maybe give them a, give them a run at something. So my, no, I'm, I'm with you there. And that, and that makes sense. I think it comes down to, to me, you have to answer the question. Do you want the, like the best resumes for it or the best teams? Cause I think we all feel, I think everyone here feels that Oklahoma, there's a high, in my opinion, they're probably one of the four best teams in college football right now, obviously with the two losses, that's tough, but I made this point on the podcast to me, as someone who I'm not a huge college football fan, but am, am casually interested in it, what I like about college football, what I enjoy is the fact that I can turn on Iowa State playing Northern Iowa in week three. And that game, that get, if they can't lose that game, right? If they lose that game, that's their that's their shot. And I think my argument against the expansion of it is I, I like the 14 because I feel like it puts pressure on everyone and it makes those games more meaningful. I, I totally get where... If you are a Cincinnati fan or any one of these fan bases where it's like you, you accomplish, you do everything you can, right? You win your schedule and you don't get a chance. I understand how that's frustrating, but I think for the sport as a whole, it leads to a lot of, because if you make it, if you make it more like baseball and basketball, what those sports are going to suffer from, no, a lot of people other than hardcore fans don't want to watch those regular season games because it really doesn't. Right, even we could watch Clippers Lakers tonight, a marquee matchup, and it really doesn't matter in terms of the grand scheme. For sure, yeah. I mean, I think that you know, as like you know, for example, you know, while I was you know referencing the six team, I think for a lot of reasons, for me, um, if you know, if I was given the the title of college football czar, um, I would I would go to an eight team playoff. Um, I, I think that you're still going to have. I think down the stretch is really when your viewership is most important and is strongest. And so, you know, you, I, you know, a lot of people's arguments um, for, for keeping it at four are, well, you know, we have these Alabama Auburn games that, that wouldn't matter um, if it went to eight because they're both going to get in in certain years and things of that sort. And, you know, I think that we're always going to be, we're always going to have games that matter towards the end. I mean, this year, North Carolina, Miami, would have been an incredibly um, important game as North Carolina was right on the fringe of like a nine, nine, 10, or, or potentially getting into the eight. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think you may lose a little bit of luster at the beginning of the season with certain games because teams do have the ability to lose. I mean, Oklahoma lost twice um, and, and finished the year at number six, but I think that you're going to have, you know, towards the end of the year, I think you have a chance to actually have more games that matter that, that second to last or last week of the regular season, because you're going to have a pool of probably, you know, eight to nine teams battling it out for that five, six, seven, eight spot. I like that. Yeah. What, that makes sense. Yeah. What, what would be your thoughts on a, like, kind of like, what, what, what's the name for it again, when you play up into the next division? 
we, we oh, about. a system of like promotion and relegation, like they have in right. like yeah. soccer. Yeah, I, I think I think in an ideal world that, that that'd be beautiful. Um, however, you know, with how important football is to to funding other sports um, and in those conferences, I it, I don't think that it's going to be possible. Um, I mean, I, I'm a firm believer, and I know that you know most likely both of you and plenty of others are, are disagree in the fact that you know, the AAC is is very close, if not better than the PAC 12 and should be considered as such. Um, I do think there is a definite gap as far as Sunbelt goes, um, you know, with the coastal Carolinas of the world. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that relegation type thing, you know, with, with soccer, as far as moving up and down would be a lot of fun. Um, and I think the only chance we have of that happening is if like people have you know mentioned and recommended is if football totally breaks free and does their own thing. I think we might have lost connection there for a sec. Did you say the AAC is better than the Pac-12 or close to? Um, yeah, absolutely. No no questions asked. I don't know if that's no. more statement on the AAC or more a, a, <laughs> oh, a, a condemnation of the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> the SAC-12, well, you, you should call you, it. Uh, you know, since I since you listen to our podcast all the time, you know, I'm a I'm a big Pac-12 Pac-12 hater. The Pac-12 has been garbage, and I think yeah, like absolutely. that's just that's just the reality of it. And we even talked. I looked at his, historically, the Pac-12 is clearly obviously living here in Phoenix, like Pac-12 country. People love the Pac-12 and think it's just the greatest thing ever. Historically, it's it's not. It's the SEC and the Big Ten stand alone, and the Pac-12 is not there. Obviously, the Big Twelve doesn't have near the the uh, his, the track record or history of it, but yeah, I, I don't have an issue with that. I guess so. What sparked all this, though? Do you think, like, do you believe Cincinnati had they got in today? Let's say Cincinnati gets in instead of Notre Dame. Do you feel like they have a legitimate chance to win the national championship? Or is no, it but a Notre Dame didn't either. So what? So for, sorry. No, I, I don't for, think. Go no, go ahead, Ty. <laughs> Yeah, ahead, is it Ty. just for like money purposes as far as earning their conference more money and then like long-term I mean, I th- kind of helping their yeah. groups? Uh, I mean, I think, you know, number one, I think that that is really important. I think that we would see uh, perpetual growth in, in conference in smaller conferences if those conferences actually had a chance. Um, two, no, I, I, like, I think it was very clear from the get-go that Alabama was going to run through whoever was number four. Um, and, and so, you know, whether that was Cincinnati, whether that was Coastal Carolina, Florida, um, we would we had already seen Alabama beat, um, you know, Oklahoma. I, like most likely, I mean, Alabama was going to run through that game just because of who they are right now. But I don't think that that should matter um, when it comes to to grading out who is most deserving. And, and I know that most deserving quote is up for debate too, because right now college football says that they're looking for the four best, and and that. To me, that's where they lose it for me um, and where I become less interested because that is that is not the case in any other sport at any other level um, across the world. Do you just choose the playoffs based on who looks the best? Uh, that takes away for me so much uh, of the regular season and makes it so less important. I mean, I think this year uh, probably hurts my um, argument a little bit with Ohio State playing six games and, and now, you know, absolutely um, played fantastic against Clemson um, and showed that they, they were the better team on that day for sure. Um, but for me, I mean, you know, when you can just kind of make arbitrary decisions based on, you know, a group of like 12 people saying that this team is better. Um, that's you know, to me that that's so much less interesting on the whole. 
you you want them to have a chance to prove that on the field who's better versus a group of a group of people making that decision yeah yeah you know i mean i like i'm not kidding myself when you know if we we have an 18 playoff and say cincinnati is number seven and they're going against clemson in the first round there's no way that i i truly believe that you know out of 10 times cincinnati's winning five of those but but could they win one out of 10 like yeah i think so i mean the year that clemson won their first national title they lost to my alma mater pit you know who went six and six i mean you know they're like these teams are at times, certainly they are, they are beatable. Most like most of the time they're not, but, but I mean, we have had, uh, we have not had very many undefeated national champions. So, I mean, I, I think that expanding to eight at least gives us an opportunity for something to happen. And, and you know, for me, when I think about you know, being a student athlete and obviously you guys can, can relate, you know, when I was at Pitt, um, and I don't know if it was similar when you guys were at school, but, um, you know, we broke it down every day by saying the same word. And that was Omaha. You know, I know that the University of Virginia, because I went to camp there every year growing up in Virginia, is 1,001 miles from Omaha. Like everything in college baseball is surrounded about Omaha. Like I, if I'm the coach at Temple, like at football, like what are we saying at the end of practice? Like, yeah, AAC, like Mayo Bowl, Tampa, Tampa, Mayo Bowl. Yeah, I just I mean, think like, for me, what are you playing for? I think for me, those teams aren't playing. I guess my argument would be so. I think you made some good points about the funding and uh, allowing if if schools like Cincinnati get a chance to um, one reap the financial rewards of playing at that level, and two, just the exposure and the recruiting from being being seen at that level. Maybe that could, I could see that over time. Then you know, being able to build a program and vault and vault into that level. I guess my, my big problem with this has always been, I don't think a group of five school has any chance to win the national title. Like maybe they could win a semifinal game, but they're, so to me, it's always been a moot point because I don't, and, and this is where I think basketball, like uh, football is so different than basketball and baseball, just because like you mentioned the series and the odds of upsets, right? So if you look at um, baseball, baseball is a great example of that, right? You could take the worst Division One college baseball team and pit them up against, I don't know, University of Florida, wh- whatever the top program is. That's going to be, especially if that if that small school has their top their ace on the mound or whatever. There's a way higher chance of them winning that game than there's going to be. You could play Alabama versus the worst, even the worst, honestly, Power Five school in football, and that's like, I mean, I don't know what percentage we put it at, but it's it's much it's much higher. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, there's less chance of upset in football, in my opinion. Yeah, a hundred percent. But I I feel like in, in every sport, you know, in every other um, you know league other than college football, we're not basing the playoffs off of that. You know, I mean, I think you know the playoffs are, are generally built for for one for entertainment, and, and then teams that you know have played well and then deserve to go on, whether it be through winning a conference or a division, you know, in, in professional sports. You know, or, or, you know, in college basketball, winning your conference, like I, playoffs in other sports to me are not built to just have, you know, the Dodgers playing the Yankees. I, you know, I think that they are, they are truly built to have, a, you know, the team that wins the playoffs is the team that, that wins the playoffs, yeah, not just, you know, yeah. they won the regular season. So, I mean, I mean, but again, I would just I would just push back on the fact that one is the goal to make college football more similar to other sports, because I don't know that that needs to even be um, a driving force like they have different systems for sure. Right. And the way they 
college football is unique. The whole bowl system is unique. No other sports do that, right? So it's already kind of its own thing, which personally I think adds value to it because it's 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 so different. Just like how uh, I think like March Madness, even though it's the same format, like that's a there's really no other tournament where you have that. The sudden eliminate, like sudden death. So many. So I, to me, that adds value as someone who's not super invested in college hoops right now. I will watch that just because it's it's cool. It's different. Um, so I think you got to you got to question whether to me it comes down to like how much do you want to make it like other sports? And I also think the talent disparity. I don't think we can talk about that enough. You can't unless you completely break down because Alabama football has a situation where they're going to win the Super Bowl. And then not only are they going to pick first overall, but they're going to pick second overall. They're going to pick third overall. They're going to have the first 15 picks. And then not only that, but their salary cap is going to be five times higher than their next component than their next opponent which is going to just create it just keeps leading to and creating this this issue we have where you have a couple teams that are the gap between them and everybody else is is massive and huge and i don't think that's i guess to me the thing is i don't think that's a, a college football playoff issue that's more like the structural issue of college football and you, if you really want to provide a school like cincinnati a chance to compete to me i don't think they have any chance to compete even if they're in at eight I think you have to really look at how these schools are able to fund themselves or the way that they're able to, I know you can't like penalize them on recruiting, but you have to have some form of uh, like compensation there so that the the Dodgers don't get the first pick and get to hike their salary cap more than everybody else. I think. Yeah, like, absolutely. Steven's salary and pay the rest of the teams once they win it all. I don't want to be the man to tell him that. That's the only thing. Yeah, I won't yeah. say it directly to his face, of course, but I can say it on here. No. Hi, mate. I mean, I, to I totally see absolutely where you're coming from. And I think I, you know, I, I said it at the beginning, but I mean, the horse is totally out of the barn on college football in the sense of, of, of what we've got. Um, the bowl system is, is fun a lot of times, but in reality, uh, as far as actually building a, a playoff system um, that, you know, you know, is equal and equitable for all parties, like it, it, it is not possible at this point, unless you're going to have absolute massive overhaul. Um, the way, you know, the one thing that I do think is important, um, when it comes to recruiting, if, you know, using Cincinnati as an example, um, because it's the city that I'm sitting in right now and, and because they were the highest Homer, ranked AAC Homer. team. Yeah, absolutely. Been here for three days. I'm a big, big time Homer. Love this town. Uh, um, <laughs> but you know, if, I'm, if, if I, if I'm a kid that, that lives right here, you know, I've got Cincinnati, um, as far as the biggest programs, I got Cincinnati here. I go an hour north to Ohio State. I go an hour and a half south to Louisville. You know, I got three, you know, very you know quality universities with good athletic departments. And, and let's say that I'm a three-star recruit. For the record, I don't consider Ohio State to be a quality university. Uh, as I, uh, academics wise, sorry, not not as far as not as far as um, okay. Thank know, thank you. Morals, thank you. not as far as morals, because <laughs> I totally agree with you there. Um, <laughs> we agree. But, you know, Absolutely. <laughs> Lightning strikes once. Um, so if I'm a three-star recruit that lives here, you know, here in the suburbs of Cincinnati, um, I get a preferred walk-on spot to Ohio State. Maybe I'm one of the one of the last um, scholarship offers at Louisville, and then I get a, a you know, I'm, I'm a middle-tier recruit for Cincinnati. Um, for me, if I, you know, I need a scholarship, so I'm going to Louisville or Cincinnati. Uh, for me, the the choice, I mean, it's almost a no-brainer if I care about winning a championship. Like you you automatically are going to Louisville because I know I have zero percent chance to to even have a chance to compete 
for a championship. Like I, I genuinely believe that if you give schools a 1% chance to win a championship, that that will actually matter when it comes to recruiting. Uh, you know, I think that that, I mean, that's what sports are you're kind of supposed to be all about, right. It is coming together as a team, you know, at team sports, obviously um, coming together as a team and playing together for the common goal. And, and the common goal, you know, generally is to win a championship. And so when that is a, a literal 0% chance, I mean, you know, there are very few teams in the world that start with a 0% chance of winning a championship. Um, you know, I, for me, like if I'm a recruit that that's, it's kind of a no brainer uh, that I'd, I'd go to Louisville. I mean, you know, all things considered, if, if all things are equal, then I'm going to go to the school that I have a chance to, to put a ring on my finger. And, and so, you know, with the expansion to eight or with a change in college football, you actually get the opportunity to have a 1% chance to win something. And I think that that actually does matter. Yeah. I, we could, a couple things. First of all, there's no way you'd be a three-star. You're at least a four-star athlete position to be decided. I mean, athlete. Yeah. Yeah. You put him anywhere on the field and he's going to make a play. Listen, Parnell, Parnell's an athlete. We could see him on the offense or the defensive side of the ball. He's got elite speed, quick twitch muscle fibers. He's, he's, he's a game breaker folks. And this is definitely pay for elite speed. He's a player. The Cardinal can use. He look for him to make an impact as a true freshman. So that's the first thing. Don't sell yourself short. I guess my, my, my only pushback to that would be like, now we're debating blowing up this system that's super popular and people love so that at one a school can have a 1% chance of winning instead of a 0%. I guess I just don't think – I think for college football, because of the system, because of the bowl system, because there's such a disparity, I don't think any of these kids, unless they're going to one of the top um, – unless they're going to a, a, one of the top half schools at a power five, like when a kid signs at ASU, does, like, does he really think that he has a chance to win a national title? Well, I mean, I think that maybe if he's going to Arizona State, he's probably not that. very smart. I mean, I they think that I think that yeah. could be. I I like I, but I think that 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 Herm is is. I mean, he's clearly doing a good job recruiting right now. I mean, he has an opportunity to honestly sell that because the Pac-12, you know, all things considered, is not very good, and so Herm can honestly sell. Look, if you if all you LA kids come here, and we can beat a depleted USC and beat an Oregon team. And like we can go 12 and 0 in this crappy power five conference, and you genuinely have a chance to win the national championship. Now you're just because you beat <laughs> but I mean, I apologize that no. you know that the Pac 12 is your hometown. But, but I mean, the sh- the they have they have for- a chance. Like they have, but I yeah, I think uh, I think Herm is more selling the NFL than anything. He's, that's that's oh my yeah. Thing. I mean, and He's that's I mean, NFL that's his. Pedigree. I don't think he but, really gives a shit but, about winning a title. But but with but with being in a conference that that has a chance, you know, a Power Five school. I mean, you know, comes with obviously, you know, I mean, more games on TV that that genuinely matters. Like yes. the Cincinnati Tulsa game this year was a very good game. Was it the headliner on ESPN? No. Is it ever going to be? No. But might it be the three o'clock game that actually gets heads if a six and zero Cincinnati and a six and zero Tulsa game truly matters? Like, yeah, it's probably going to get on national TV rather than ESPN Plus, where we got to freaking shell out our twelve dollars or whatever a month to watch it. I hear that. If you have little kids though, like me, you get Disney Plus with it too, which is a uh, which is huge, <laughs> huge. <laughs> Yeah, we haven't walked into that realm yet, but yeah. better things are to come. Apparently, I get so. to watch The Incredibles four or five times a week, and it just costs me twelve ninety nine a month. So that's that's great. 
Yeah, that's great. So let me let me ask you this hypothetical because we all love hypotheticals. And we get around if you drop Cincinnati into the Pac-12, do they run the table this past year? Odds, odds they run the table. They go undefeated in the Pac-12. I think with um, it depends on on side of conference, like it does in every conference. Um, but I think that they have a legitimate chance. Yes, I don't know if they would, but I think that they had a, have a genuine chance. I mean, the best team in the Pac-12 is a 25th ranked Oregon team, and we saw Cincinnati genuinely compete and lose with two seconds left to a team that once JT Daniels took over, I mean, scored over 40 every game and truly dominated the latter half of the season. I mean, I think we saw a team that genuinely can compete against top 10 teams. And, you know, if the wind blows two miles an hour harder, you know, beats a top 10 team. And so, yeah, I mean, I think they clearly have a chance to beat anyone in the Pac-12. I will give you credit. Cincinnati did have double-digit wins in every game except for Tulsa, correct? I believe that is correct. Yeah, yeah. and Tulsa. I mean, and Tulsa. You know, Tulsa was a very. You know, Tulsa went six and zero, I believe, in the conference. Yeah, they year. were good. Um, yeah. So yeah. Well, all right, awesome, Barnes. We appreciate you having. Right before we go, who you got this weekend? Or are they going to play this weekend? COVID. <laughs> are, are, are they stalling um, for fields to get healthier? I, I don't blame them if they are. I personally don't. I mean, well, I, you know, we all look stupid, um, especially Jaime after saying that Clemson's going to win by double digits last week. But um, I, I think that um, it doesn't really matter that Alabama is going to end up winning. Um, but more importantly, I did want to end. You guys started your podcast by saying the one big rule change that you would change in all of sports. Um, to show you that I'm listening. I'm a you know first time first time OG listener. Um, that was your first podcast, and I just want to say that my one thing that I would change would be that baseball coaches should not wear pants because they look absolutely ridiculous, oh, and God, it's the I only sport it. that they should wear that they wear a uniform. It is ridiculous. That's what, more uh, important to me than Alabama. Over what would it be? What, what do you want them to wear? I I, I mean I think like a, jo- yeah, joggers. I'm I'm all in on joggers right now, so I'm definitely in on that. I mean, I think a, a polo and khaki shorts. Like, yes, I mean, it's it's like, like I mean, it's 95 degrees when we're playing. Like, let the guys be comfortable and make better decisions. <laughs> yeah, you can't have your nuts in a bundle when you're trying to <laughs> figure out who to bring in when the bullpen when the I, game is on absolutely. the line. I think absolutely. that's a move. That's a rule change we can all get behind for sure. So, Parnes, this was awesome. <laughs> I learned a lot. No, seriously, it's good to hear. Uh, I, I genuinely enjoy hearing different perspectives on things. And, and one of the things that I think just makes sports cool, right, is like we could watch the same game or the same sport and value or appreciate different aspects of it or different things. And, and uh, yeah, that's really cool. That, that's, yeah. that's really cool. So, I mean, you're wrong, and that's fine. But uh, don't forget, even though I did, have the, I did have the lock bet on the over on uh, Tampa Bay Atlanta. Don't forget, <laughs> folks. One for six. One for six. It's not bad. It's not good, but it's not bad. Yes. Well, hey, I, I really I really appreciate you guys having me on. I know I'm not the headliner like Dennis Sarfate is, but I hope my takes are warm enough that, that people um, the people are still listening right now and, and have not shut me off just yet. For sure. We'll have you back definitely as soon as baseball season comes back around too. We'll get we'll get into it even more. Masters preview awesome. with Parnes. Yeah, Masters maybe. Would love to. Would love to. Anytime, guys. Thank you so much for having me. All right, Take you. care, brother. All right. Peace, guys. That was fantastic, Bobby. Let's do it again. We got an MLB trade. Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco. Uh, 
go to the New York Mets. Boom. And all the Mets gave up was their top shortstop prospect. Not, I mean, you'd much rather have Lindor. And like, if you're going to get Lindor, you have to give that guy up anyways. And they gave up number nine and 10 ranked prospects as well. To me, this is a massive win for a team that's trying to go for it now. And they are going to be a pretty, pretty good team. They've got, now, I mean, Carrasco will still be their number three starter, but their rotation looks really good when I'm pulling it up right now. It's DeGrom, Stroman, Carrasco, Steven Matz, and then they got Lugo and Peterson will be battling out for like that five spot. And that is a solid, solid rotation. I mean, the that playoff rotation there, like DeGrom, Stroman, Carrasco, and then they'll probably just be able to ride with those three in the playoffs, which I love. I still think their raw, their batting order could use maybe one, one more, like doesn't have to be like all-star type guy, but above average dude. And there's still a ton of free agents left on the market. So look for them to make one more move. And I think they are immediately a top like three, four team, which is all you really need for baseball. What do you Not like about mention, this trade? Uh, Yeah, not to not to mention, don't forget Noah Syndergaard, Tommy John last March. So, uh, I mean, he should be coming back in the second half of the season. So, it's basically like they're going to be getting a trade deadline acquisition of a former Cy Young winner. So, yeah, I know he hasn't looked great the past couple of years, but that, at the very least, that could add a added depth to their to their pitching rotation. And I know from personal experience, TJ is one of those things that you can come back from and feel just as good, if not better about about your health afterwards just because of all the therapy and the uh and and the programs that you go to go through for this and it is a surgery that it almost gives you strength as opposed to like an achilles or something that you're not really sure how you're going to react from so keep that in mind watch out for the new york mets cohen is making some moves and um he's gonna have to bust out his wallet but i i love it they're going for it that's what new york teams should be doing if you're the Indians, are you did they get enough back? No. I mean, this is like I, I they should have moved Lindor to me. If you're the Indians, this trade needed to happen last year, or probably in the offseason leading up to last year. Uh to get, I mean, you're Lindor's a what top five player in baseball, definitely top ten. And I'm assuming the Mets are gonna lock him up to a deal. He's still gonna have at least at least five more. Pro- prime years and his that skill set should age pretty well i think um you get a shortstop prospect and then i mean ninth and tenth best prospects in an organization that's that sound that's one of those things that sounds good but that's that's not a i mean that that basically puts them at like the 300th best prospect in baseball if you're the 10th best right you know yeah I mean? in the, in the ballpark so, yep yeah it, that's a that that's surprising to me i guess that they would uh not be able to get a bigger haul and package, especially with uh, the throwing Carrasco in there as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll 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 see. And I guess the next thing too now is uh, I'm interested to see with the Rockies. We mentioned it before, but now they've got decisions to make. The West is comp- locked and loaded. Uh, not only Nor- Nolan Arenado, but also Trevor Story too. Are they going to commit a long term deal for him? I believe he's a free agent after the year. Uh, are they going to end up letting him walk? So uh, it's going to be it's going to be late, especially with the uncertainty surrounding this. But 
I think you're going to see big dominoes kind of fall here in the, in the coming months for baseball for sure. But definitely for the, if you're, if you're a Mets fan, you have to be super excited about the team in a way that you haven't been in, in a long time. For sure. Then as far as from a gambling perspective goes, because I always need to look that up as soon as I see big news, they went from the ninth best odds to win the world series, which was kind of high was what, from what I like kind of had them in my head, but they went from ninth to sixth just from, just from acquiring those two guys, which is pretty big deal. I mean, when you go from 20 to one to 14 to one, that's a massive swing in what, and what Vegas sees as a big advantage for these guys. So you still got, are they going to sign Trevor Bauer? I mean, if they do that, then they jump in a top four. I believe they probably jump the Braves, you know, if I'm the Mets right now, I'm throwing a one-year $40 million offer at Trevor Bauer. Yep, go for it. Because I think if if you get if you get Bauer, you – I mean, I think they're right there with the Padres and the Dodgers just based on that – I mean, that pitching. I mean, DeGrom and Bauer in a playoff series? Yeah, dangerous. Right? Yeah, and I mean, they, as far as their infield goes, they still have a uh, – they, they have a solid infield. They've got McNeil – Lindor now, Alonzo, and JD Davis. So they could, I mean, JD Davis hits seventh, eighth in their lineup. So look for them to maybe, uh, they could be a, pro, a team that goes for Aaron Otto halfway through the year or even earlier than that. Cause if they get a guy like him, then this is definitely the most dangerous team in baseball, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's like, it's crazy to say, but I'm, I'm hesitant to say they're the most, just it, it's exciting, man. I love, I love what you're seeing from, uh, from the, from the Prodigies and Dodgers, like we talked about before, and now the Mets, the fact that you're getting these teams that are that are joining the arms race, I firmly believe is going to be, I think it's going to be good for baseball. It's going to generate interest. I understand it's going to be tough for a fan base, maybe like Colorado, where they're not going to have a chance really. But I think for the sport of baseball, it's going to be really good to see consolidation of power. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, you want to see those uh, all-star-like teams duking it out come – come October. Now we're waiting for the Yankees, right? I mean, yeah, they made a move. Um, what, what, not are they what I expected though. So they, they acquired a relief pitcher. Yeah. Who, let me pull this up here. I mean, it was, we're, uh, we're having to look it up folks. That's all you need to yeah, know. Yeah. I'm Googling the guy. I mean, they did just signed i uh, I'm going to butcher this. Julie's Sashin. Is that how you say it? Chasin? Yeah, right-handed pitcher? Yes. <laughs> that's that was their big counter to the Mets getting um Carrasco and Lindor. And yeah, I don't know. AJ Cole. Well, okay. And I guess I guess for the Yankees, their their big acquisition is going to be Severino coming back, right? Yeah. So if he comes back healthy and now you have Garrett Cole and Luis Severino, that's again a nice a nice one two to take a, to take into the playoffs for sure. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens more. I mean, I, I'm sure as soon as usually once you see these blockbusters, it, hopefully it gets some more dominoes to fall. You know, teams get a little bit more urgency and start making some moves. So let's see who else is going to try to rise up. We've got a ton of teams that are there may be one or two guys away, even as far down as like Oakland, Houston, Minnesota, Chicago, White Sox. 
the Braves could probably use one more guy. I mean, there, there's, and I, let's not mention the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Padres, all those teams all, could, if they go for one more guy, you know, they, they're, there's going to be a massive shift at the top. So excited to see it's, what that happens. Looking through the list of free agents here, a couple of big bats that I could see potentially helping out with New York, especially a lot of this depends on whether they're going to play with the DH in the NL, but I could see them, uh, signing Marcelo Zuna, or even if Nel- if Nelly Cruz wants to get one more contract, come back, try to hit some bombs, those could both be uh, potential fits for them as well in terms of just adding some depth and a little bit of a uh, little bit of punch from the right side of the plate. For sure. I like that. And George Springer still available too. Yes. Gotta like that, that. He's going to get a big deal. So that'll be, I mean, if the Mets go out inside George Springer, then they are, they are all in for sure. It's going to be interesting for, for Springer to see where, see where he lands too. Also, how old do you think George Springer is? Um, like twenty. If you were to guess, eight. Twenty-eight. Thirty-one. Oh, really? Is that surprising? I I would have guessed he was like twenty-seven. Yeah, I thought he was younger than that. Thirty-one. Thirty-one years old. So that'll be interesting to see. Uh, It'll be interesting to see because I mean a lot of his value too is tied to his to his speed and playing center field. So at 31, you got to wonder it's not how many more years can he play center field, and then if he has to move off of center, now you're looking at a corner bat who's going to have pop. So that'll be that'll be really interesting to see what what if Springer's able to get a uh, five year deal. Let's say that'll really be a telltale sign, I guess, for the market and how, uh, how people are, how confident people are feeling about the finances moving forward. For sure. Yeah. There's a bunch of outfielders still available. I'm going through this list here. There's, uh, you got Yaziel Puig, um, Nomar Mazzara, who's there's, young and very good. Huge, huge names still available. Yeah. Yeah. Reddick, Souza Jr., Markakis, old, but good. Uh, Domingo yeah. Santana. But yeah. There's some, there's some dudes out there that people can go get uh, Brett Gardner, Jock Peterson, Kyle Schwarber, jerks and Profar, bunch of big names. So yeah. Yeah. There's still yeah. guys that are going to be oh, Jackie Bradley jr. He's also 31 too, which is surprising. Seemed Very. a little younger than that, but all right. We do want to talk about uh, the late great Tommy Lasorda RIP. Um, he passed away yesterday morning. We're recording this on Friday and it is uh it is very sad to see, but um, just just some info about Tommy was a manager for the Dodgers. He won eight NL West championships, four NL pennants, and two World Series with the Dodgers, and was kind of the heart of LA for a long time in the seventies uh, and eighties. Um, I, I wanted I just went on and was kind of looking up some stuff about Tommy, and I, I saw a great quote. And I think that can apply to everyone right now is that 80% of the people who hear your troubles don't care. And the other 20% are glad you're having them. And I know this is funny, but it's, it applies to, you know, life in general. And he, that's a, that's a perfect depiction of, of how he lived. You know, he, he went out, he did his thing. He had fun. He knew the famous people. He was, he was LA, you know, and uh, it, it was, uh, it was cool to uh, watch him, let's see his Dodgers win it all last year. And uh, yep. yeah, it's um, it's a sad day in baseball world. We lost a great one, but we just want to wish him and his family uh, our best wishes and uh, glad, glad he got to go out of champion with the Dodgers winning it last year. 
very very fitting for the Dodgers to uh to bring home a title for uh for the city and for Tommy obviously he's a, he's a legend he'll be missed and this is what uh I think a lot of times this is what's missed about sports I mean you look at a guy like Tommy Lasorda and even for guys like us right that really you know never saw him never saw him in uniform as a manager or player still he's he's still an icon and you think about all the the generations, I mean, literally seven generations of lives that he's been able to touch and interact with. Uh, that I think that's one of the, that's one of the reasons why I really like sports. I know you'll hear people. I have people tell me all the time that they don't understand how I could care so much about a stupid game or a bat and a ball or a hoop and a ball. Um, but it's the people, right? It's like anything else. It's the people and sports brings you together. It unites people from the most diverse backgrounds from different countries, different races, uh, different upbringings and they all come together to work for a common goal. And especially at a time where there's so much division in our country, not to get, not to get super deep, but it's, it's sad, but uh, hopefully we can celebrate Tommy Lasorda and all of his, uh, all of his accomplishments and, and what he meant to the game of baseball. And hopefully there's another generation coming behind to, uh, you know, pick up the banner and pick up the flag and carry it forward. Yes. Very well said. And he's, uh, as he says, he also quoted, I'm going to the big Dodger in the sky. So rest in peace, sir. RIP, Tommy. All right. Now that I'm all choked up, let's get on to NFL weekend. Love the slate. Love the slate. We're going to go right Woo! down. The list. We got to stay chronological uh, just for our brains to comprehend. So that way everyone can kind of follow along and and they can stay so chronological much too. Yes. This is this is probably one of the best football weekends of the year, right? I mean, other than I'm, I mean, it's better than Super I'm Bowl weekend up. for sure. I'm fired. I I think it's better. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like six playoff games, and we'll we'll go through it. But I think I think at least four, probably five of these games are going to be really good games. Yeah, or at least really compelling games. Yeah, and you've got some storylines with some like this year, especially with COVID. You know, you got like. Not not just injuries, but COVID lists, and there's already been yeah. one team that's been massively affected by it. Their last chronological, chronologically, chronologically. There we go, got it. Um, nice well, Yeah, we're gonna talk about the Browns here in a sec. Let's start off with the Colts and Bills. We've got the Colts. Um, as I mentioned earlier this week, this is the first time they've been underdogs all year, and it's super surprising. You know, I, I'm. Just shocked by hearing that stat, but when you think about it, they had a pretty weak schedule and they like were kind of favored to win all those games, you know. But as they go in this week, they are six and a half point dogs. Let's see what they can do. Do you think they have a chance to stop the Bills, or do you think the Bills just roll them here? I can see this game being close uh through the first half, maybe into the third quarter. Um, but I think the Bills, I think the Bills get the win. I, I this this game, I'm to be honest with you, I'm not sure what's. I'm excited to see this. This is one where I think the Bills win it, but I want to. I definitely want to see. I definitely want to see what Josh Allen looks like in playoff action too. Last time we saw him in the playoffs, it was a little, it was a little shaky for sure. Yeah, he and was then, uh, he was smashing they, all the buttons, you know, like in Madden when you just literally. Yes, like, yes, yes. The accidental <laughs> lateral. No, no. Yeah. Damn it. Been there. Been there. Um. But yeah, no, win this game, but I'm super fired up to see this. And I'm on record as saying uh if the Bills, if the Bills win the Super Bowl, I'm I will 
purchased several card tables and I'm flying off the top of a pickup through a card table. Cause I'm all, I'm going to hold you to that. And yep. I filled out my first NFL playoff bracket today and I came upon the bills winning the super bowl. So, Oh, let's go. Yep, I'm riding with the bills. No one circles the wagons like Buffalo. Come on, Josh Allen. I am cheering for you. I, I think they cover this weekend too. I think they get them by a touchdown. It's going to be close, but I think the Bills are going to they're going to pull away here at the end. I think it's going to be like a three point game, and the Bills are going to go down the field and put them away to end it, make it like ten. I, I like that. I like that. And another one other storyline I wanted to mention. This is a sneaky good playoffs in terms of uh, underserved fan bases that are just aching yes aching for playoff success between the bills itching you got the browns the i mean washington the buccaneers like there are some some fan bases that will absolutely lose their mind if their team can make a run so this is going to be this, this is going to be good yes all right let's get on to the next game rams seahawks uh this one's going to be a little strange because um mcveigh has been very quiet on the status of golf and who he's going with whether it's wolford whether it's golf I mean, I, even though that they like Goff has over a hundred million dollar contract, I don't know if this necessarily affects their style of play. And when I when I like just say that out loud, that that's a problem for LA, right? But I, I don't know. They yeah. I still think they can actually will their way to win here with their defense. And like three weeks ago, these guys were my my pick. You know, like I I was pretty high on the Rams, and as soon as I said that, they lose to the Jets. They kind of start reeling and they stumble their way into the playoffs. Um, the Cardinals pretty much just let them in, but the and the Seahawks are a little strange too. They've been on the seesaw all year. First, it was their offense, Russ MVP. You know, like are these guys like is Russ finally going to win it this year? And then the last six weeks have been like the. I don't know who's a good like defensive team that's one like almost like the uh like the Broncos the year that their defense just carried them all the way to the championship but wh- what do you see happening in this game I don't know I have no idea what could happen in this game honestly the the covid factor and the and the Seahawks not playing you know in front of the 12th man and ha- and having all that I think that could be a huge factor I definitely think the Rams can win this game I think if the Rams can generate a score on special teams or defense, yeah, I think they can win this game. They they got to play. I think McVay is going to have a good game plan and probably a lot of gadget plays and look to to uh, kind of weaponize some of their playmakers. Maybe I don't know. Woods Woods can break some jet sweeps or do some of that stuff. Especially depending, I, like in some ways, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's almost like they. Because they pay golf so much, sometimes I think they ask him to do too much when I think the path for them is to really minimize, like make the quarterback just a straight up game manager. Like I don't I don't yeah. like when golf throws. I think if golf is throwing 50 plus times, your team has a worse chance of winning. So sure. I, I think that could be sneaky. But let me let me ask you this. The Seahawks, the Saints, and the Steelers are all 12 and 4. Has there ever been a collection of 12 and four teams that you're l- less confident in? Yes. So unsure of, um, no, I mean, I, I mean, how crazy is that? It's usually there's only one or two teams that are actually at 12 and four. Like usually it's like the one seed that's 12 and four. And this yeah. year we've got a bunch of them, but like you just said, they're not all like 
I have no, I have confidence in zero of those 12 and four teams, even though they're like on paper. Yes. They they've been winning their games, but they, they do it in, in very unorthodox fashion. And it's, it's hard to see them like being able to do it throughout the playoffs when they're playing other really good teams. So yeah, this, this Rams talks game is going to be an interesting game. Uh, Yeah. Probably one I'm going to stay away from third time they're playing each other. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. I mean, it's also scary too, just to play devil's advocate. I'm, I'm nervous to go against uh, Russell Wilson and even though he struggled, I mean, it's still Russ, right? When the bright lights come on, we know at least that he's, he's been there and done that. And I'm a, you guys will find out as we get more into this too, but I do think playoff experience is one of those things that is not overrated in sports. So we'll see again, again, another really compelling matchup. Yeah. Look for that Ramsey Metcalf. Just they're going to be going at it this time. And it's, that, that might get a little chippy, so keep your eye on those guys, even if they're not involved in the play. It might be a little extracurricular uh, as, as soon as uh, as soon as they get on the field with each other. They do not like mm-hmm. each other, and uh, as of last time, Ramsey shut him down, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ramsey clearly won the last matchup, so we'll Yeah, see. Let's, let's see how that one goes. All right, next we got Bucks, Tampa Bay Bucks versus the Washington football team. Woo-hoo. Yes, I, I think for me, like uh, just watching a seven and nine team play, it just gets my blood going. Like I, I've got to watch this game, and I want to see as as much as I think. Like I respect Tom and love Tom. I want to see Washington come out there and and do their thing and and give him the New York Giants treatment and just uh and just put the heat on him right away. And I, I mean, I'm is uh, this is going to be a really dumb pick, but I'm going to take Washington in this game. And oh, upset not, alert! Yeah, not wah, to wah, cover, wah. not to cover, but to win the game. I think Washington is going to wow. come out and win this game, especially if Smith is going. Smith is five and one this year. Let's let's think about that stat for a sec. They're five and one with their actual quarterback, and they're two and eight with not their starting quarterback. So that that just shows you how how much they need Smith. And if he's able to go, which I think he is, they might, they might actually be like two time in it with, with Heineke and Smith. But I think you're going to see majority Smith, especially if they can, if the game is close, but I, I like Washington for some reason. I, I want to, I think chase young is going to make some plays, put the heat on Brady and we're going to see what happens here. Who you got? What do you got? I got Tampa Bay and I got Tampa Bay to cover big. I oh. think. This is a potential. Shot to the heart. It's it's a potential. So so I think we all see the same thing, right? Washington on papers, this is a good matchup for Washington, right? Because they have the they have the defensive front four to pressure Brady and make him uncomfortable. They're getting Terry McLaurin back for this, so they're gonna have a uh, a big uh, big play threat that they haven't had the past few games. Um, it looks like Alex Smith is gonna play, and then they also have a very. Uh, a very good secondary. I know from fantasy football experience that they shut down a lot of my receivers this year. So all that being said, it's Tom Brady. Tom Brady is on a mission this year to prove that all the people that doubted him, that all the people that talked about how he was a system quarterback, didn't know what they were talking about. And if there's one thing that I've come to respect and know a motivated and, uh, angry Tom Brady that feels slighted 
uh, is not the guy I want to bet against. And we'll see, but I think Brady comes out. I think they adjust the game plan and he's ready with just all sorts of quick hitters and is able to neutralize the, the pass rush. He's, he's been there before. He knows, he know. I mean, Brady's arguably the smartest quarterback. He's going to make, he's going to make sure that the ball's getting out of his hand. And I don't, I don't think he lets those guys hit him, but we'll see. This is again, another game that I'm, that I'm really looking forward to, to watching. Yep. I, I hear your pick, but I will not take it. I'm saying, oh. I'm saying Washington beats them. I'm going for it. And let's just throw a little stat out there. Brady has uh, played. That's not a stat. This is just an observation by me, but I'm going to say it's a stat. Brady has oh, played yeah. terrible in night games this year. And it might be a little bit of the TB12 method. I think he goes to bed around like seven o'clock. So he's going to be ready to hit the sack by the time this game is kicking off. And he might come out a little sleepy. I'm just saying. That's a that's a good point. Plus, you got to wonder. I mean, at 43 years old, the eyes probably don't work that well in the. Uh, yeah, he needs night, re- he so. needs like the driving glasses. Like, he might be in trouble yeah. here. Might might not be able yeah, to see we'll the see. hashes this, very well. This might be a. Uh, this might have to be a little friendly wager between us. See, well, I, I don't I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm totally down. Not nothing. TB12 shirt. You have to, you have to buy a TB12 shirt and wear it for the rest of the playoffs if they if they win. Rest of the playoffs, okay. Um, and if if Washington wins, um, hmm, what will you do if Washington wins? We can we can think on it too and announce and announce it at the uh, the next pod if we need to. Yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, let's let's think on it. Give me. I'll probably have something good by the end of the podcast. So I'm right. I'm gonna All right. look up some good stuff here. Cool. All right. Let's well, let's keep into... it moving to Sunday. We've yep. got Ravens and Titans. This is an intriguing matchup. These are all good matchups, man. I'm getting, yes. I'm just getting fired up. Yeah. If you had to pick one game, like let's say your TV is only going to allow you one game this weekend, is this it or is it the Bucks Washington game? And you're on. Yeah, if I can only watch one game this week, I, this has got to be it, it right? Ravens, Titans, you got two pretty stout teams here. Both of, uh, I mean, two powerhouse uh, uh, rushing attacks. So I, it's also the closest line of the week. So Vegas is Vegas is seeing it kind of like we do, where this game is, you know, pretty much. I mean, Baltimore's favored by three points, but I see this game as a toss up. And and again, in turn, I love storylines. Lamar Jackson, right? Can he can he get it done in the playoffs? That's yeah. a, an, an opportunity to to prove it here, and we'll we'll be waiting to see for sure. But yeah, this would this would definitely be my game of the week. How about for you? I I have to agree with you. I'm, I think I'm going to be more invested in the Washington game. Yeah, uh, same. But I want to see this one more, so if yeah. that makes any sense. But uh, it is going to be interesting to see if Lamar can step up and beat these guys. The the Titans have beat him twice, and in both of those games they didn't play that good, but still found a way to beat Lamar. So Lamar's going to need to get off that, that Schneid he's on. He's lost two straight playoff games. Correct. Yeah. Lost to the chargers his rookie year. And then lost to these guys last year. Yep. And so he's got another chance to prove himself. It's, it's supposed to be the highest scoring game of the week. I, it's hard for me to see that. I I, I think we're going to see some, some fireworks and maybe one of these other games, probably the Colts bills. I think that'll probably get a little higher than, what what it's projected to get, but uh, I, I'm gonna go with Titans on this game. I I, I love the machine that is Derrick Henry 
and the colder it gets, the better he gets. And let's not forget how good Tannehill is, especially since he's been in, in Tennessee. We've, we've touched on this a few times, but he is legitimately a top five quarterback statistically. And just, I, I think record wise too, he's got to be up there with, with some of the best taking him to the AFC championship last year. And he is much better than he gets credit for. And especially because he was coached by Adam Gase for the first like six years of his Adam career. Gase. You t- you took it right out of my mouth. Adam Gase just yeah, he's the, kind of the common denominator with all the shitty quarterbacks in this yep. league. So yep. he has really proved himself to me in these last couple of years, like these last two years. And I, I, I like the Titans to make a deep run again. So I'm I'm gonna take Titans money line in this one too. I'm going with some dogs this weekend. I like it. I like yeah. it. All right, Bears, Saints. Do the Bears have a chance? I want to say no. You yeah, I want to say no. I, say no. I, I don't think so. I okay. mean, may, maybe they're able to pressure Breeze and Breeze doesn't look good, look healthy. But, I mean, even if Breeze plays poorly. Yeah, if, I mean, Taysom, Mitch, if Taysom has to come in, I still think New Orleans is going to be fine. Yeah, I think this has got to be Saints, and I don't think it's going to be super close. Two, at least a two-score win, I think. Yeah, I, the the Bears should just be happy to be there. You know, they they got invited to the party, and they're they're in. But I don't think they should expect to uh, to be the center of attention this come this playoff year. You know, they're yeah, yeah. We'll 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 see. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, this 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 is really good. Uh, these looking at these matchups. This is going to be a really exciting weekend for sure. I know we keep saying that, but even, I mean, what's the path? So let's let's look at it this way. What how how do the Bears win this game? What happens? What has to happen for the Bears to win? I mean, defense has to be lights out. Khalil Mack just hits Brady early and takes him out of the game, and then they can't pass with Taysom Hill, and then possibly I yeah, mean, possibly just defensive turnovers is really the only thing I can see, or it's just one of those games like. I feel like this happens all the time in the NFL is where you like, Oh, like this is for sure going to happen. And yes, most of the time it does, but in the NFL, you know, we have seen some crazy stuff and some crazy underdogs beat some good teams. And maybe it's just team. Like people are just immediately throwing the bears out and just saying, Oh, the saints are going to roll these guys. And maybe the saints are thinking the same thing and they can catch it by surprise. And you never, ever, ever know, especially when it's like a sandwich game like this. It's second game of the day. You know, I mean, you, you might not have all the like the, the viewership on this one, but hey, the, the crazier things have happened. Let's just leave it at that. Well, and, I don't think we didn't think the Vikings had a shot against the Saints. That was last year, right? Right. About two years ago. So, I mean, it's it's I mean, I think that that Vikings team was better, but. What's the is Nick Foles? Is he healthy? Is he? I know, I know Trubisky's going to start, but is Foles? Is he available? I believe he is. Yes. So I, I'm I'm going to say bold prediction: the path to victory for the Bears. Trubisky looks awful early. It's a defensive battle, and Big Dick Nick comes in and leads the Bears. I think that's got to be the that's got to be the path. Yeah, uh, I mean, if you're if you're just choosing QBs like out of this list, like Nick Foles has to be over Trubisky, even though he's not even the starter in this game. Like I would say I'd rather have Foles out there, especially when they're down and they need a miracle. Yeah. 
And, and I think even if the Saints win this uh, handily, I'll, I will be watching closely to see what Breeze looks like. Because to me, it's less about – I mean, obviously, they need to take care of business and win. But for the Saints and their Super Bowl aspirations, uh, I think this is going to be really telling. They need Breeze to I, – I think Breeze needs to come out and look healthy and look good and be able to move the ball down the field a little bit. Yeah, and Kamara's going to be fresh. He didn't play last week. He had the Coco. He – he will be back though. As they say, he's going to be activated on Sunday. So he hasn't practiced with the team in two weeks. So we'll see here. You, you never know. Um, could be something. I don't, I don't know. The, barring anything crazy happening, they will have him. So I, I yeah, let's not, uh, let's not completely throw the bears out the window yet, but I'm, I'm guessing the Saints win this one. It, it, like seven out of ten times, they're gonna win and cover. But again, NFC Wild Card Weekend, anything can happen. And yep, absolutely, I'm still gonna watch it. All right, let's go Browns Steelers. Last game of the week. The Browns have been, man. They're. I don't. I don't. I'm trying to think of a good meta, like simile or metaphor for them, as far as comparing them to someone who they finally get to where they need to be. And then something like this happens, like, man, it's, it's something terrible with Stefanski has COVID and he is no longer able to coach in this game. What what I want to know is why can't they just like let him in the stadium, like three hours early, put him in like a bubble essentially, and then go set him up in like 15 rows, like in the middle of the stands where there's no one going to be. Like, why can't he just go sit up there and radio the calls? And I feel like they should be able to figure out something for the Browns to give them some kind of chance to win this game. I mean, honestly, can someone at NASA not like, can he not wear a spacesuit with some sort of respirator that like, yeah, I mean, I know like, and I'm not even kidding. Like, I know that sounds crazy, but I mean, I'm no scientist, but that seems pretty easy, right? You put a, you put a bubble you put a bubble over his head like Sandy from SpongeBob. Yep. And like he's ready to go. He can coach, right? The I Sandy mean, suit. Yes. Yeah, the Sandy suit. Come on, NASA. Yeah. Like we got to figure out a way to get him out there. So so that way the Browns can say we 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 tried it and gave it our best attempt. You know, like now I mean they've got the excuse built in, so I guess that kind of helps like oh, we didn't have our head coach. We got so like of course we lost to the Steelers, you know. We needed our our leader of the team to kind of like help us win that game. But yeah, they've got to figure out a way to somehow like, I mean, even, even Apple watch, like get him outside the stadium, get him on one of like the tallest. Um, what are those lifts called? Like the, the car lift where you can get him so oh, he can yeah, see yeah. into the stadium and then just have him like walkie talkie or something and let him, let him coach from outside of the stadium. Yeah, I mean, have they said – I mean, I, I would assume he's going to be on, like, a tablet, like, basically coaching, right? Or or is he not going to have, like, telecommunication with the other coaches? Yeah, apparently he can't, like, communicate. Which, really? Okay. Yeah, which so, I don't like it. You know, like, they got to figure out something. They, yeah. For I, the Browns, you got to make an exception there. So I don't know why, but I just have this feeling in my stomach that nobody's giving the Browns a chance and – they didn't look that good against the Steelers with the Steelers playing nobody, but whether it's the Browns and I just think they're like a team of destiny a little bit, or I also just don't trust the Steelers. 
I don't know. I just have a, I have a feeling in my gut that the Browns, like I, I just, maybe I just want it for Cleveland and this, and this fan base, but T Willie, where do you stand? Uh, love him or hate him? Baker Mayfield. I love him. I I'm a big Baker fan shows massive heart. Great actor in his commercials. Super funny dude. Seems like a, seems like a dude who just is out there and he really, really wants to win. And it, he doesn't necessarily care whether or not he's like putting up the numbers or handing it off 55 times a game. He's out there to win the game. And you could tell that's his focus. You know, that there's nothing else outside of, of, of there, it seems like he's a very selfless guy. And, and that's what I like. Kyrie Irving. He's yeah. not a Kyrie Irving. He, he His just name wants is not to Kyrie like, Irving. That's a, that's another that's, positive he's got going for him. That's literally what crosses through my mind as you're as you're talking about that, right? He he comes across as the type of guy that if you play freaking ping pong with him, he just even if he sucks, he's gonna try to murder you. He's gonna try to shit talk yes. you, throw some sand in your eyes, something like that. And I th- I think he's the quintessential guy. You hate him if you play against him. You love him if you play with him. And yep. For, for me, I like that. I like that swagger for my quarterback. Uh, I know he rubs people the wrong way, but hey, a lot of the great ones do. So I'll be I'll be pulling for uh, uh, I'll be pulling for Bake. And also too, I never miss an opportunity to root against uh, Ben Raplesberger. So um, you know that's that's always I'm all I'm always happy to root against him. Here's a hot take too. Uh, now that you mentioned the Nets, do the Nets try to sign Baker Mayfield as their point guard and just? say Kyrie get out of town we want a guy who wants to be here and wants to win whether or not he can play hoops <laughs> I mean I bet Baker's a I bet Baker's a good effort defender probably oh, dies for, for sure. these balls and I I you know I bet he's got a pass I bet he's a serviceable corner three guy so yep. he's little, probably little not as, yeah he's probably not as artistic as Kyrie but may, might play more games than him so maybe yeah he'll show up yeah all right well Brooklyn, be looking out for him as if the uh, if the Browns don't make it past this week. So you you have a backup point guard at least. All right, the Steelers. I yes, they do kind of like to me. I feel like the best way to describe them is just Big Brother. Like they're they're that team that they dominated the Browns, especially at home at Heinz, and they do seem like they are a tough team to beat when they're there. And I, I think has Roethlisberger ever lost to the Browns at home? Not that I'm aware of. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure he is legit undefeated against Cleveland at his home field. So that's not that that stat doesn't go well for the Browns. But again, NFC wild or AFC wild card weekend. We're just hoping for some chaos, and I hope the Browns can provide a little bit of that. I, I would I would love 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 to see the Browns win. And let's not forget, like three weeks ago, we were saying the Steelers were the biggest frauds of all time. So that is still somewhere lingering in that locker room. It's maybe it's not with them at this moment, but it can come in very quickly if if this game doesn't start off how they want it to and they all start turning on each other and Juju wants to dance and Ben wants to put his boot on and you 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 could have a very very quick snowball effect in in Pittsburgh if if this game doesn't go their way. So, yeah, absolutely. With all that said, we appreciate you guys. We are very, uh, we want to ask you if you're still here with us. We want to ask you if, if you like this podcast today, share this with a friend, let them know, say, I get all my correct sports picks and great insight on each game. And 
hopefully we bring you a little bit of humor as well. But we want to thank you guys again. We do have an Instagram that we started. We're going to be posting some polls on there. We're going to have a couple more videos that we'll be starting to feature. And we want to hear from you guys. And if you have any guests that you want to hear interviewed and you possibly can connect us with them, we would love to do so. And we hope you guys enjoy that interview with Nick Parnell as Although he's more of a baseball guy, it was good to hear a different side of what me and Jaime like to hammer home each week. So hope you guys like that. We're going to have him on some more for during the MLB once that's starting to heat up a little bit. And we just thank you guys and rally caps on.